Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I had, I don't know why, but I went to Starbucks today and I am pretty sure I got the best latte I've ever had at Starbucks. Ooh, that's exciting. What did you get? Well, I got the cinnamon dulce, dolce, however you want to say it, latte, which I have had a million times. But this time I added oat milk, which is new for them instead of almond milk. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just the oat milk, but it was like seriously the best latte. So that brightened my day. (laughs) Oat milk is my favorite and I don't really have any kind of like advanced palate, but I would say that of all of the alternative milks, oat milk goes the best with coffee. So I bet you that's what it was. Yeah. So this is my new drink for a while at least. Um, And then one other thing I did want to mention on the podcast in case it helps our listeners, I'm only halfway through it, but at ConvertKit for our wellness program, we are reading the book breath. I think the sign up was too soon for you to see Melissa, but I am like halfway through it and it's mind blowing. Highly recommend it. And if, as you're listening to this right now, you're breathing through your mouth, you better stop because (laughs) it's really bad for you. I had no idea. Like I, I will admit that I have been a mouth breather probably mostly because I have a little nose with a deviated septum and it's terrible. But after reading you know, as much as I've read, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm constantly thinking about it and trying to breathe more through my nose and breathe better. That's so funny. I, uh, do they say anything about like exercise and like how, okay. Yeah. I've heard that for running that like you shouldn't breathe through your mouth. And I, I pretty much just breathe any way I can to get through a workout. So I don't ever know what, if it's my mouth or my nose. I don't know. Okay. You've got to read this book. I'm telling y'all it is so interesting and I've been doing it all wrong. And it's crazy what our breath does and how much it affects our health. I mean, it's crazy. So yes, if you're listening to this, breathe through your nose. (laughs) I am a, I'm reading like just a fun book right now. Mm -hmm. And so when people tell me they're reading like a self-help or like self-betterment book, I always feel kind of like bad because- (laughs) It's like trash TV for a book is what I'm reading right now. It's so necessary though. I love a fun yeah, book. Yeah, it's just like a it's like a mind escape. It's like a thriller book. So mm. how are you though? I'm good. It's sunny outside. It's the weather in Washington's getting nicer, which is great. I am ready for some spring summer. I don't, I'm not really a summer person, but I will take like, you know, sunny, 60. That'd be good. Perfect. Yeah. I'm glad you're having some good weather. I know that that's just such a good mood booster. It is. It's a mood booster for sure. So I can't complain. Nice. Well, hopefully this episode will be a mood booster for all of you. Um, We'll try not to make it as dry or boring as it might sound, but this really is something that's happening to a lot of senders and we want to talk about it. So a lot of senders are noticing that their emails are being automatically opened or clicked by their subscribers who didn't actually open or click some links. So we're going to talk all about that, why it happens, what you can do to fix it, and how much of it is sort of out of your control. 
Yeah, this is a pretty common question I think we see from a deliverability standpoint. And kind of just like everything we talk about in email and deliverability, there's just, there's not a science. There's not an exact equation that you can, you know, do to make everything work perfectly and have all your data be perfect and 100% accurate. It's just not how email works. So I think that's kind of like something that newer senders typically have to like change their mindset to kind of understand how all of that fits together. It seems like, you know, a tracking link or like a open tracking pixel would be things that sound very technical and scientific, but they're not. And I think that's probably, that's like a hard thing to describe to people. So I hope that this episode kind of helps navigate that. For sure. And I feel like what we're going to talk about in this episode is the perfect example of differing priorities in email that can cause frustration. So the sender and the receiver in this case have different priorities. And I think people who send emails want to feel like they have control over these emails that they're sending. It's their email list they created. Mm -hmm. You know, they spent a lot of time crafting this beautiful email They have a lot invested into it. They use it probably in ESP to make it happen, and they want it to go perfectly. However, there is also a receiver on the other side that has their own set of priorities, and really, they are in control mostly. So whenever those receivers you're sending to have really strict security settings, their mailbox's priority is just safety. Honestly, they don't care if your open rate is higher than it should be. They don't care if your click rate is, you know, is incorrect. They just want the receiver to be safe. And in order to do that, they want their machines to open the email and check all the links and run them through their filter to make sure that they're safe. So again, this is just one of those really tough places. I know we have people on ConvertKit who might be really frustrated because they're sending their mail in. Again, They want it to go perfect. They want their open rates to be accurate and their click rates to be accurate, as anyone can understand. Um, But the recipient kind of gets to determine that. And this is something that any sender, regardless of the ESP you're using, is seeing. Um, I have plenty of friends and colleagues at other ESPs that I've heard share these exact same uh, frustrations that their customers have when it comes to automatic opens and clicks. Yeah, I think one of the best things that you've said to me that kind of helped make all of this make sense in my mind when I first started learning more about deliverability was that the the subscribers in your list are the majority of the like Gmail and Yahoo's customers. So even though like you might have a domain through, you know, G Suite and you're a sender, that's probably a lot less common than you or I who just have a, you know, a Gmail address and we use that for, you know, signing up for getting our emailed receipt or to connect with people we know or to sign up for email lists. Like, I think it's easy to be like, oh, well, I'm a sender and I'm trying to like, you know, create this business and market to people. But that's not what Gmail and Yahoo are trying to do. Like they are trying to help the subscribers who signed up to have an email address and be able to communicate, they're trying to help those people initially. And I've told you like the last few days, I have had an absurd number of um, phishing emails lately to my Gmail account. And it's 
it's really weird now that I know kind of how it all works. I'm like, why is this happening? I'm reporting them as phishing. Gmail's not catching them. So anyways, it's kind of like, it definitely makes me as a Gmail user a little bit distrusting of Gmail. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of just something to keep in mind as you continue to, if you're a sender and continue to send mail, it's, it's, you know, they're just trying to protect people like you and I who have email addresses. Um, We obviously see the other side, the sender side as well, but nobody wants to receive, you know, fake UPS emails (laughs) and be worried about if I'm going to have some kind of virus on my computer, if I open it, Um, that's just not fun to deal with. So yeah, kind of a rant, but (laughs) no, I totally get what you're saying. And it is surprising that those phishing emails are coming through without being stopped because Gmail is pretty good usually at, you know, putting those kinds of emails in the spam folder. And that just goes along with exactly what you're saying. Like mailbox providers, the people who are deciding whether your messages go to the inbox or spam are trying to do right by recipients. They honestly don't care about the sender um, necessarily. They want their recipients to be happy. So to make it to the inbox, you need to make your subscribers really happy. The only way mailbox providers know that you're making your subscribers really happy is by seeing all of that positive engagement. And we will kind Mm -hmm. of loop back around to this because we will talk about sender reputation and how that impacts, which we can go ahead and start saying non-human interactions. So Mm -hmm. these automated opens and clicks that are happening in your emails, um, we can refer to them as non-human interactions. That's sort of like an industry-wide term. Mm -hmm. So Let's just hop into it. So I think this is extra frustrating because in email marketing, there really aren't that many metrics for senders to use to determine, you know, is my email successful? Did people like this? What are people doing with this? Really the most commonly used metrics by senders are the open rate and the click rate, but more senders are noticing that their emails are being automatically opened and or clicked by some subscribers. You can probably tell us more, Melissa, but I know I've seen with some ConvertKit customers, this might play out by them setting, you know, sending an email. And then as soon as they send it, they see a bunch of opens come through. Or whenever they're digging into their click metrics, they see that there are a handful of subscribers who clicked every single link where it doesn't make sense to click every single link in the email. Yeah, definitely the timing thing, I think, is what causes most people to initially be like, hmm, that's not normal behavior. Because, I mean, I even have to explain to people sometimes, like, for open rates in general, like, most people are not going to receive your email. And within five minutes, people will preemptively be worried about their open rates. And we have to remember that there are people on the other side of the email address. So not everyone's going to open your emails right away. And on the other side of that... Um, when you do see, you know, sky high open rates within five minutes, that's not normal behavior. So uh, people usually like, hey, I think there's a problem. And like Alyssa said, it's not specific to, you know, ConvertKit necessarily. It's it's an industry thing. But yeah, that's typically not like human behavior. Yeah. And we certainly, I would say most customers never experienced this at all. It's really mm-hmm. um, certain kinds of senders who experience this most. And it's mostly people who send to a lot of B2B addresses. So if you aren't quite sure what that means, um, that's business to business. So B2C is business to consumer. So that's when a sender sends to mostly like 
Gmail, Yahoo, Outlook addresses, that's B to C, sort of a whole different ballgame. And those don't typically have automatic opens and clicks happening. But for example, like teachers, this happens a lot with, we have a lot of teachers who send on ConvertKit and their list is entirely like school email addresses for other teachers. They see a lot of this sort of activity because that B2B business to business address that the teachers have is, has, you know, really strict security. The school administrative, um, you know, tech people have so much security on those addresses because they're teachers and students who are using those and they need to make sure that they're kept safe. So totally understandable, obviously. And those administrators typically don't really want teachers and students receiving a ton of like marketing type of messages. Promotional things. Yeah. Yeah. So that is a case where I typically tell people you should really ask um, for people to sign up using their personal email address. But uh, not to get too off track here. So most people who are seeing this issue, again, are people emailing to business addresses, um, especially when it comes to .edu or .gov or any like healthcare type of email address. Yep. I think those are the ones I see the most of. So like you said, it's it's definitely not like a widespread every single day issue, but it's more for people who have like a specific niche. Yeah. So one, I guess, tip that we mentioned is if you can, and it makes sense for you on your signup form, it'd be great to say, you know, please sign up with your personal email address, not your work address. When people sign up with their work address is when you're going to start to see more automatic opens and clicks because you're relying on their office IT person to decide what to do with your message. And they're going to always lean on the side of safety. Again, they don't really mind that your open rates or click rates might be inflated. They want to do their job properly by not having their company, you know, be the victim of a phishing attack or something like that. Right. So there is an element of this that is just sort of out of sender's control. We are going to go through a few best practices, but before we do that, I just want to make sure that's clear that um, no matter which ESP you use, no matter what's going on, this is happening on the receiver's side. So again, this is someone's IT team deciding to click every link in a message to check it for security, for example. So we can't stop that from happening. We can't stop all the IT people from making these checks and automatically opening up messages to scan the content and things like that. So there is um, one thing that you can do to at least see who is automatically clicking links. And that would be adding like a hidden link in your email. Do you want to explain what I mean by hidden? Um, Yeah, actually, you go ahead and explain. You're so much better at explaining this than I am. Okay. Um, So usually that just looks like adding a URL to your email. Maybe it's like at the bottom and the text color matches the background. And, you know, there's no like hyperlink or anything, or you can add a link to like a period in a sentence where the text is the exact same color as, you know, all the other text, you can't tell it's a link. And then if someone clicks that, you know that it wasn't actually a human clicking it because they wouldn't have even seen it. It was actually um, a machine clicking that link. So then anyone who clicks that link, you can tell that they have automated click, you know, checking turned on. Mm -hmm. 
So that, I mean, that doesn't obviously solve the problem. It just helps you understand how you can assess the problem. So maybe you do that and you're like, oh, three people automatically clicked all the links. That's a bummer, but not a huge deal. Or you can be like, oh, wow, 75% of people I'm emailing to are automatically clicking on my links. This is a bigger deal. Then you can kind of realize like, maybe I should not take you know, the, maybe that group of open rates isn't totally accurate, or maybe those, those click through like rates are not totally accurate. So maybe disregard those. Also, I had a thought I like, sometimes I get so sucked into what you're saying. That's why I was like, no, you go ahead and explain. I just, I was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Um, we say this a lot for just like those positive, um, signals to, help with your overall like sender reputation. Um, that's why sometimes it can be really great to ask for replies to your emails because then that way, you know, if you did use a hidden link and maybe the open rates and click rates were not totally accurate and you could tell, you'd be able to see replies from your subscribers though. And that could potentially help, you know, get some feedback and see what people are reading or what they're clicking on within your email. That's always just like a good kind of deliverability practice to encourage your subscribers to respond. Okay, so let's hop into the best practices we're going to cover. And these come from an organization called MOG. Um, If you were to type that out, it's M3AAWG. And this is an anti-abuse working group that ConvertKit is a member of, and they're amazing. So Collectively, some members of MOG put together a really great um, document about non-human interactions. We'll put that in the um, show notes in case you want to read a bit more. It's super helpful. Um, But the best part to me is some best practices that they list out that can help reduce the amount of non-human interactions. I love this because it does put the ball in your court. They did a lot of um, studying of non-human interactions, and they found some things that a sender can do to reduce that. So the first best practice we have here is to only use HTTPS links. And then one thing to note, so if you're using an ESP like ConvertKit, you're going to have tracking links on all of the links that you, you know, put into your email. And all of those tracking links should be HTTPS. At ConvertKit, they definitely will be. So if a mailbox provider or recipient sees, okay, they have an HTTPS link that reroutes to an HTTP link, that looks suspicious. And that's going to cause more of those non-human interactions, the automatic opens and clicks. So be sure whatever links you're putting into your email that they have um, HTTPS security. That's one that I think is obviously pretty technical. That is super helpful. I've been sending some of these to customers that have reached out. And I think that, yeah, this is a, Mog did a great job of providing these. Like you said, it puts the ball in their court. So, you know, if you're a sender and you're, especially if you're newer to email marketing, like that's not anything I would have ever thought of. So that's a really helpful tip. The next one is monitoring content. And I actually thought this one was pretty interesting. We've talked about this a few times about yes. nobody likes a baiting subject line that makes you feel like, I don't know if I should open this or not. I think it looks legitimate, but then you open it and it has nothing to do with what the subject line is. Um, so content can play a part in, um, especially with like a text to ratio image, like that can be an issue. If you have just an image pasted into your email content and you have no actual text, that can be a huge issue because people will embed, you know, spammers will embed like a link into that image 
And then when you click on it, it takes you somewhere else. So just be aware of your content and be straightforward. Don't act like a spammer and then you won't be treated like a spammer. Yeah, exactly. And this is such an interesting one because I think B2C messaging content, of course, we have a whole episode about that in season one. It Mm -hmm. still matters in certain ways, but it matters in a whole different way in the B2B world. I think the B2B world still uses some of the older spam filtering techniques that we saw in the past where, you know, people have said like the word free will make your email go to spam. That's not necessarily the case, but I do think in this B2B world we're talking about where they have really, really strict security, they are using some content filtering. And if something that you send looks similar to what a spammer is sending, then they're going to click all your links, make sure they're safe and take more checks. So that's definitely something to look out for. And I think a lot of people are like, well, my content doesn't look like spam. You know, it's a lot easier than you think it is to look like a spammer because spammers are pretty good at what they do. And a lot of times it just looks like a lot of like urgency and promotional messaging. And I've seen so many well-meaning like creators send out an email about their launch and it looks like what I've seen spammers send where it's, you know, like act now, hurry, you know, limited time offer, call me, whatever. Um, That all can trigger some more of these automatic opens and clicks. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Yeah, that's a great point. I think it's tough sometimes because, you know, everyone probably knows about my shopping at this point who <laughs> listen to the podcast. But I mean, some, you know, it makes sense in certain situations to say those things. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard to be creative to say it in a different way. At the end of the day, like that does just look a certain way, even if you don't want it to. And even if you have like, like you said, good intentions, it's, it's just used by commonly, you know, people who probably don't have the best intentions. Yep. So true. So the last um, best practice that we have for you is so important, something we talk about constantly because it is the most important part about deliverability, and that is Mm -hmm. your sender reputation, that it does matter. So if your domain has a really healthy, great reputation and, you know, this strict domain sees your mail, there's a good chance that they're not going to automatically open your email or click any links because they've seen you before, they trust you They know that subscribers open your messages and click your messages, and they don't mark them as spam very often, things like that. But if your reputation is either not very established um, or it's not great, maybe a lot of people complained about your message recently, marked it as spam, or you have a ton of cold subscribers on your list or your open rates aren't great, then there's a much higher chance that once you do email one of these strict domains, they're going to automatically open your message to scan the content and click the links to see if they're safe or not because they're a little concerned about your sender reputation. That sentence is just a great reminder that there are so many things <laughs> that <laughs> that make up sender reputation. And if you're interested, we have an episode about sender reputation. But it's interesting. Again, there's not a scientific formula that you can put together that says like, if you have cold subscribers and your content looks like this, like you're going to go to the spam folder or you're going to get all of your links clicked or like, it's, it's just not that straightforward. So the best option is to just try to be as proficient in best practices of deliverability that you can. And honestly too, like I was thinking about this the other day, I do think it is so much easier to pinpoint an issue when you're following all the rules 
And then you can find that one thing that's sticking out. Yes. And so even though we say like a lot of times there's not always an obvious deliverability solution that's going to just change everything right away, when you are doing everything to the best of your ability and you're making good choices with your deliverability, it is a lot easier to pinpoint and determine where maybe things are having issues and what's causing problems with your sender reputation because it's it's just easier to to find those when when everything else looks good. Yeah, 100%. I love that. It's like it's going to be way easier to solve your deliverability problem if there's one thing you can improve on instead of like, oh, you haven't cleaned your list in a long time and you also haven't sent an email in a month and your content's a little promotional, you know. Yeah. Yes. I think that's great. (laughs) That's so good. And I highly recommend if you haven't to go listen to our sender reputation episode, we should probably do another one just to refresh um, sometime this season because it really is the most important component when it comes to your deliverability. And we want to be sure that you understand it well. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, those are really the three best practices you can follow when it comes to decreasing the amount of automatic opens and clicks you see in your message. And I hope that was helpful. It is one of those things where sometimes it's a little bit out of your your hands as a sender, but those three things will at least help you um, have some ways that you can try and reduce those automatic opens and clicks that you might be seeing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we talk about a lot too, there are a lot of metrics you can look at as a sender and sometimes focusing just on one thing is not always the best way to continue to work on your deliverability. So if you do see that this happens sometimes, don't be discouraged. Go listen to all of our other episodes and find other ways to engage your subscribers and you know maybe see what other things you can do to improve your deliverability and try not to get frustrated because it it is something that might happen to you. So true. I wish that it didn't happen, but it is good that this you know, this issue for senders is also help keeping people safe. Although I'm sure the emails you're sending are totally safe. There are a lot of unsafe emails out there that this automatic opening and clicking helps find. So it's a tough place to be in. Clearly it's not helping my inbox, but hopefully it's helping yours. (laughs) I know. uh, Gosh, I hope Gmail gets it together. I know. I don't know. Maybe it's just a, maybe I signed up for something on, and I, I don't know. Who knows? This reminds me of a tip uh, we can give our listeners right now. So something that a lot of people do in kind of the email world is if you have a Gmail address, whenever you sign up for anything, so let's say your email is melissa at gmail.com. That'd be so cool if it was. It's not. I wish it was. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It'd be amazing. So let's say you go to uh, Zappos website, then and you know, you want to put in your email, you can say Melissa plus Zappos at gmail.com. And then whenever they email you, it'll go to that, which is the same inbox as Melissa at gmail.com with Gmail addresses. You can add a plus and then, you know, whatever you want after the plus, and it'll still go to your inbox. But that means if someday you get a random weird spam email and it comes to Melissa plus Zappos at gmail.com, you know that Zappos gave your data away or it got a data breach, something like that. Um, Not to call out Zappos, I'm sure they're great. Just anyone. So um, you could do that literally anywhere you go. Melissa plus Target, you know, whatever. And I love that feature that people do because it actually really does help them figure out where they've given their email address away and it was used um, poorly. So 
I have so many things that I could talk about with that. Oh yeah. So we'll have to do another episode. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was like, hmm. <sighs> okay. Okay. So uh, maybe we should have another episode kind of talking about this subject. It's, it's interesting. I love it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. We should have an episode for like subscribers, like recipients, like how to, how to reduce the spam you get and be safe. I know I have so many family members who will fall for spam emails and things. And I always wish that there was more education for them. So maybe we can do a whole episode about that. That'd be fun. Cool. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week and stay tuned next week. I am sad I won't be here, but I'm so excited. Melissa is going to be joined by someone on the ConvertKit team named Ben. He's amazing. And he is a YouTuber. So he's going to talk to us about how YouTubers can utilize email marketing better. I'm so excited. Ben is very talented. And I feel like I'm still getting my sea legs under me with being on camera. (laughs) And even though this is the second season of the podcast, I find there's times where I like trip over my words and I feel awkward. And I'm just really excited to have Ben because he has been doing video for a while and he's great. Yes, I know. I feel like he could teach us so much. So um, you all are going to love listening to him. So make sure you listen next week. I hope you all have a great week. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.